this crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. Hi, my name is Matthew Lloyd. I am a reviewer and editor at DC Comics News, a website that features news and reviews of DC Comics as well as uh, other comic book uh, reviews. I also am the host of the Classic Comics with Matthew B. Lloyd podcast found on the Comics in Motion Network. And uh, if you live in my town, you'll probably see me at work at the restaurant. I guess I describe myself uh, as a husband and father first and foremost. Uh, I've been married for 27 years this past this July. Just had our 27th anniversary. We have two daughters, 23 and 18. So those are the, the things that matter, obviously, the most and always come first. And I, I hope I identify myself more in those terms than, uh, than anything else. Um, one daughter is a nurse in the Army, and the other one just started at NC State. Uh, this week so that's uh that's kind of how i think it's the most important way to view me um as far as in terms of other things besides uh nerd slash geek stuff i think uh the whole nerd geek thing is a bit of a, a state of mind as opposed to simply the kinds of things that you're interested in i mean sure we've got comic books and that kind of thing but at the same time i think i'm just as uh nerdy and geeky about uh the music i listen to and anything i really like and enjoy you know i'm i will i will watch you know archaeology shows on tv because i find it interesting you know i i find you know i guess the academic uh, aspects of things to be interesting and i find i bring an academic look at things even if they're just supposed to be fun things music is supposed to be fun and you just, hey it's fun Woo, music but you know the kind of music i listen to uh you know it doesn't necessitate it but it, it lends itself well to a more in-depth uh analysis of it with music theory and all that kind of thing which just sounds boring to some people but you know i really get excited about that kind of thing when it comes to music so I find I bring those same types of approaches from, uh, from you would think of with ner the nerdiness of comics and the fanboy and the, uh, you know, some of the ridiculous arguments you'll have as a comic book fan. Uh, but I bring that to other aspects of entertainment and just things I like, you know, I, I, comics, music, uh, my master's degree is in art history. So I still have a, a love of art and uh, archaeology and things like that. So uh, it's it's pretty. The kids roll their eyes. Oh, you're watching that again. Oh my gosh, they roll their eyes because they think it's just boring and silly, and it's like a class almost, you know. But that's fine because I I like that. I I enjoy that. Just last week we saw a uh, well, gosh, just last night we watched a show on PBS. It's a series called Secrets of the Dead, and it sounds ooh creepy, Secrets of the Dead. But really, it's a it's an archaeology slash history type show. So what they were talking about was the it was a show called uh, the Lost 
history of uh, Florida, of Spanish Florida, or the secrets of Spanish Florida. Uh, and it just uh, went into how at the very beginning of the colonization of uh, North America that uh, the, the Spanish had that foothold in Florida for a very long time and uh, uh, well before the English arrived and it coexisted at the same time the English were here. Uh, the And it was Florida was English for a while and then reverted back to the Spanish uh, and didn't finally become part of the United States until was it 1818, I think, after the War of 1812 and the uh, un unrest that uh, surrounded that, that time frame. So that was pretty interesting. A lot of that I didn't know. And it's, I mean, of course I knew that San Augustine had been there for longer than the, the, the British settlements in America. And I knew that the, uh, you know, the, the, the fort there had been there and it's the oldest city in America, but you don't think that it, it's not talked about as much in, uh, in the history of the founding of the colonies and uh, the development of America. And that was kind of the point of the underlying point or one of the points they were trying to make. But I found it interesting that some of the people that uh, were in Florida, once the, the, the English came and took it for good, a lot of them uh, left and went to uh, uh, Cuba and the Bahamas and the, uh, and the islands and the Caribbean and uh, it just so happens that's where my family's from. And there's a couple mysteries we're try we've been trying to solve because one of the other things I'm nerdy and geeky about is uh, ancestry and genealogy. To the uh, my wife is too though, and she actually checks out books on DNA for fun. So it's it's a it's a bit of a family affair in, in that sense. And I don't have the time to read all of those books, but she tells me interesting stuff. Uh, but nonetheless. Uh, We've been trying to figure out how we're supposed to be Spanish because that's what everybody in the Bahamas, when you talk to the people going back, yeah, oh, the, the Lloyds are Spanish. They were Spanish. There's uh, anecdotal stories of someone, people speaking in Spanish. And one of the one of the daughters really looked forward to her dad coming home to speak with him in Spanish. My grandfather was fluent in Spanish, and supposedly that was because he worked uh, – in a cigar factory in Key West and learned it there. But the more and more I, I look at things and think about it, I feel like there's a, uh, a bigger story there that we haven't uncovered. There's also um, African DNA in, uh, in mine and my dad and my daughters. So there's an African ancestor somewhere in there too. And part of that Spanish Florida story is a lot of escaped slaves and such and piecing it all together. It, uh, last night I had the, the, I won't say brilliant, but I had the, the, the idea go off my head. Well, maybe that's how we got to the Bahamas. Cause, uh, after the revolution, a lot of loyalists left the, uh, the colonies and went to the Bahamas. That's well known. Um, but the records in the Bahamas, you know, are not uh, transcribed 100% digitally, so it's hard to find stuff. And some of the stuff other family members have found uh, continue to uh, not be really clear because, you know, we are – our records show up as uh, uh, free-colored in the records. We're not listed as European 
or white or whatever they said. And we're also not listed as African, but we're listed as free colored. So it's something else. And the thing is there, there weren't supposed to be any Spanish in the Bahamas at the time. So to be told, you know, Oh, well we're Spanish and people always thought they were Spanish. People had a Spanish part of the history or, or lineage, you know, and then to find the, the African DNA and find in the records that I know it's the right people. I know the people we found are the right people and to have them in that uh, listed that way. It just, what I saw last night kind of brings two pieces of a puzzle closer together, but I can't, I can't put all the pieces in together. I've been working with pieces for a while trying to fit them together, but I feel like that might've brought things a little bit closer. And that was just uh, something else. It's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to do more with that. Um, like I'm not busy enough as it is, but anyways, that's a, I, an area of geekiness, nerdiness that you may not normally associate with, uh, uh, but, but we are definitely really nerdy about it. I mean, it's, it's not like it's, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, evidence that we're, we're blue bloods and oh, <laughs> we just want to know, we're just excited about all the, the details and the, the, the minutia of things and how the DNA works. And that, that's, I, I can't speak it, speak about it as well as my wife can. She understands more about the DNA and how the, uh, yeah, how this is passed on, how that is passed on, and how you can use it to uh, uh, to help figure out where your people came from. All these things. So there's lots of stuff. But yeah, we're ner- I'm nerdy about that too. Just not as uh, I just don't have a podcast or do reviews of you know uh, genealogical journals or anything like that because that requires a little bit more schooling. And uh, you know, I <laughs> I can't be a self proclaimed expert on that, but comics I can. <laughs> when I uh. When I'm working nights, I'm not always working nights, but I'm working nights, you know, I come home and I don't, I can't go right to bed anyways. I'm normally going to be up for a couple hours, you know, winding down, getting something to eat, whatever. And I use, I do a lot of stuff at, at nighttime. Uh, I do a lot of, almost all my reviews at night. Uh, I'll write the, the bit of the podcast that I do script. I'll do that at night. When I edit the news stories for DC Comics News, when I have some of those to do, um, that's usually at night when I get home. Um, today, uh, because it's a uh, you know a weekday, you know I'm 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 usually off on weekdays and work on weekends. So when I'm home, there's nothing at home to do. There's things you can do at home when there's no one else around it makes it easier so you know i played drums in the garage for a little while earlier today i cranked a stereo for a while and did other you know went to the grocery store that kind of thing but i i find time uh like that uh i do throw ideas down in my phone whenever i stumble across them walking around or whenever something hits me and i go oh i need to i need to think about that as a show idea or things like that. I try to keep up with it. And usually put them, put them all together at night after work or on a day off. You know, yesterday I was off also and ended up doing some reviews during the day because I had free time and, you know, daughter's at college now and first day of work back. My wife works in a school, so she's back. Yesterday was her first day 
today was the first day with students. Yesterday was our first day back where I was off, where I had the house to myself. So it's one of those things. It's like you have free time. There's nobody here to bother you. You can do whatever you want, right? But there's so many things you want to do sometimes. It's like, uh, I don't know what to do. Maybe I should this, this, you know? And uh, you know, sometimes you have to kind of do what is ever uh, pushing your button at the time, whether it's uh, – I got these reviews hanging over me. I got ahead. I'm I'm done through the end of the month already. So I don't have any reviews to do until September. Um, <laughs> and and sometimes something's pushing a button. Like uh, like last night or two nights ago, I watched uh, – it's weird. I don't usually get to watch much TV, but I watched a documentary on the making of Tommy, the album by The Who. And as it went through, I was like – I need to pinball wizard. They're talking about that. Oh, I need to, you know, I've never learned that baseline. Let me get my base over here real quick. And I brought base over and sat down and pulled up the, the, the tab on my phone and figured it out quickly. And, uh, and things like that will strike me. And sometimes you'll just have something pushing your button. Like I really need to play some music. I need to play an instrument. I need to work on that right now. Uh, Or you'll be like, or I'll be like, you know, I've got to write this review or, I've got a great idea for a story. I'm just going to mess with that idea and put all these ideas down and work out what I can. Um, and then you step back and assess, well, okay, maybe, maybe I need to work on my reviews tonight because it's Thursday and I got to get them done by the weekend. And then, uh, oh shoot, I got to finish that, you know, recording because I got to send it to Tony do uh, Sunday night so he can get it uploaded for Monday. So then uh, if you're not pushing your button, you know, I try to, assess what deadline is first and it's weird we have these uh self-imposed uh deadlines and uh volunteer stressful uh activities not that it's stressful it's a good stress it's not bad it's fun to do comic reviews it's fun to do a podcast but we we add these things in to make things to do things for ourselves that are fun but then when it gets busy it's like oh i still got a deadline i gotta finish that you know so it's interesting uh it's an interesting thing we do but uh, and I find myself that I'm better with more to do. I don't know if you're like that, but the more I have to do, the better I am at getting things done because it's like, well, if I don't do it now, it's not going to get done and I better get it done now. And, uh, and that kind of goes along with uh, household stuff also, you know, whatever has to be done around the house or, you know, bills and all that kind of thing that we're required to do so they don't throw us out of our house or cut off our electricity, you know. It's best to get that done when you can because if you wait, you know, three days, then you know it's too busy and you'll, there's no way you'll squeeze that in. Oh, I have time to do that. I can do that then. And now, now that's not to say that I haven't done that many, 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 many times in my life. That's because if my wife ever hears this, she'll think I'm full of shit. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> but no, I have – It's it's all about – like I said, pushing the buttons though, because sometimes it's like, well, I know I can do that now, but right now this bush, this button is pushing me, and I need to do this right now. I need to, I need to learn that song because I, I just want to learn that song right now, and that's bothering me. I need to figure it out, and instead I'll put something else, maybe that she would say is more important, you know. So, I'm not saying that kind of thing doesn't happen, but because it certainly does. But when it comes to figuring out how to put all the, all the pieces together, you know, you've got to. You got I look at it like that and try to go with what bothers me the most at the moment and then set up some kind of idea of hitting deadlines first, whatever the first deadline is. Because of my schedule, I have the late nights and the early mornings. They're just not always together. 
So sometimes it ends up, you know, you'll catch yourself. You'll be up late. You'll be off. The next day is a wreck. And then you got to get a better because you're up early on the third day. And it's a, you just don't know whether you're coming or going and stuff, or you'll have a closed mid open to where you close and you get, I get off at, you know, 11 or 12 and that's not that late, but when you come home and you can't go to bed and you plan on doing stuff, you know, then you don't get to bed till two or three and then you're back to work at 10 and then you're off at eight and then you come home and you have to be up to work at six the next day. That's what really, that's going really kill you. Then you don't get anything done because literally all you're doing is going to work, sleeping, getting up, going to work, sleeping, going to work. And then that third day you're just like, I'm shot. I can't do anything. You know, but do you want to take a walk after dinner? I don't even want to eat dinner. I just want to lay down and fall asleep on the sofa. <laughs> I don't know how you do that and get so much done. I wonder sometimes too, because I do get a lot done. <laughs> it's, it's, it's startling sometimes. It's startling. Yeah. And I keep adding more and more in to the, to the mix. So there's even more that I'm trying to do. And it's, <laughs> I, I, I swear to you, I, I, I was like, why am I doing, why am I adding this? Oh my gosh, this is so much. Ex- oh, well, I'll figure it out. And I, I'll figure it out. I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's all fun. I think it's all passionate stuff. It's all stuff that, you know, we're passionate about. So it's not like, yeah, I decided I'd go dig a ditch in the middle of the night every night. You know, it's something you're passionate about. So I'm looking forward to keeping, keeping things going. It's exciting. I also think that something, all these things that are new are exciting. And so whatever the new thing is, that sort of gets a lot of the, the energy right away, you know, like that story I started a couple months ago and wrote on and wrote on and wrote on and then other things crept up and haven't been back to it, but I have all the notes for it. So I know what's going to happen. Just got to figure out how to get back to having the time. I guess it, uh, I have to draw it back to getting into comics as a kid Uh, because, you know, that's the thing. When you're a kid, you know, at least when I was a kid, everybody read comics. All your friends, you all read comics. You all stopped at the, at the grocery store or the convenience store. 7-Eleven over here is a, a bit, rings a, brings a lot of memories back for people that are not as many around as there were, but, or the local newsstand, and you and you you read comics. You bought comics. You spent, you know, fifty, sixty cents and got two or three comics or one comic, depending on what year it was and the prices. But everybody did that. You everybody had for comics. All your friends. It was a thing everybody did, and it was just one of those things that, when I was about ten, eleven years old, while all my friends and I had the same types of interests, we all had comics we read. We played with, you know, the classic action figures of the day, the the big 12-inch G.I. Joes with the real hair and the kung fu grip and all that. Action Man over, over there uh, in, in England. And uh, the company Palatoy has to be credited for developing the kung fu grip and the uh, the lifelike hair and beard. That was a, a British thing from the Palatoy uh, toy company. Um, and then the Mego superheroes, the alien superheroes, those were other things that uh, – we all played with. We all liked uh, Star Trek when it was in reruns when we were little kids. Uh, here, it had, you know, at the time, 
uh gosh that was like 60s what 66 it started 67 something like that so it wasn't even 10 years after the fact that we were watching them in reruns and i was four or five years old i mean that's how young i started watching a show like star trek uh the batman the uh the adam west batman show was on in reruns there was a spider-man cartoon from the 60s late 60s that was on and after school reruns and those are all the kinds of shows that i gravitated to um even the twilight zone when i was real little and the uh the classic uh universal horror movies and the hammer horror films from the 50s and uh early 60s uh those were all things I watched and was interested in as a kid uh, from, you know, being real young to four or five to as I got almost to my teen years. And uh, those are things I've always enjoyed. I've never not enjoyed those. Uh, I, I don't, the, the, I guess the passions for some of the, the horror movies and stuff didn't continue uh, on. I still prefer the, the earlier films like that that are more story and suspense based as opposed to uh graphic and uh bloody um i prefer the story aspects of it and some of the more psychological elements as opposed to the you know here's all this blood kind of elements even though hammer was known for introducing blood uh in their films it was a big deal it still isn't to the uh, extent that it's graphic now. But anyways, uh, so around the time I was 10, 11 years old, I, we read about this comic book store that had opened in Charlotte where I grew up. And uh, my parents know I like comics. They told me about it. Hey, do you want to go sometime? Oh, yeah, sure. So that was my first experience going into a comic book store where I was able to look at old comics that had come out way before I'd been around. Not just like from a few years that some friends had or something or somebody's older brother, uh, but rather, you know, hear comics from the 60s that are 15 years, you know, older than right now and they're 15 years old. And, uh, you know, at that time in 1980, 81, that's the uh, in the first, you know, within the first five years of uh, uh, Marvel's uh, the Marvel rebirth in the sixties with the fantastic four and all that, uh, that's that Marvel is essentially why it's known today. And all the timely stuff in the forties had Marvel not been, uh, able to bring it all back in the sixties would have probably been just as forgotten as so many other different companies were forgotten. But anyways, uh, that, that sort of started my interest in, in comics as something more than just, going to the 7-Eleven or the drugstore and buying some comics on a day after school or whatever. It, it, it was like, oh, now I can look for things. I can look for specific things. Um, getting the Overstreet Price Guide, you know, showed me what comics were available. Maybe they weren't accessible or, uh, or, or within a price range, but they existed and one could find these somewhere and read them on so, in some way uh so that was uh that was kind of where the comic book thing started and i really never looked back at that point once i started going to the comic book store it just became my chosen form of uh of entertainment and disposal income that and you know getting into uh 
science fiction slash fantasy novels is in middle school also, which they all kind of go hand in hand to me. I mean, it's the same sort of thing. There's not many people that are going to read comics and are go, no, no, I don't like science fiction novels. No, I don't read that. You know, of course you do. Almost everybody does. It's, it's, it's the, it's the same larger grouping, but it's just a smaller compartment in that grouping. So, uh, yeah. And I spent a lot of time in, uh, middle school and high school going to used bookstores trying to find, you know, this book series, that book series, reading, reading those things. I mean, that was, uh, that's, uh, that's the kind of nerdy we were. We would go after school. Hey, you want to go to the used bookstore after school? Yeah. You know, <laughs> mom would take me and my friend over to the used bookstore after school and gosh, we get out at what? Three, three fifteen, something like that. And we'd be at the bookstore till five because <laughs> we ended up getting dinner on the way home. We would just, keep looking and looking and try to find oh, what's the next series in the car look in the Carson Avena series. Oh, I found one. Oh, Oh, I found enough here. You can get one too, because I found two copies, you know, you know, when you go to, when you can go to a comic book store and have the, uh, the access to the comics, it helps, you know, drive your, your, your passion because you can, you can get that little, just that little bit you need to keep going. But if you kind of went and you never found it again, and you only had the same, you know, thirty or forty comics, it'd be easy to go. Oh well, I guess I've read them ad infinitum. I don't need. Okay, but you can keep getting new books and new old books, and it keeps feeding that passion and that drive. It's easier to stick with it. Um, I know a lot of people, you know get out of comics at some point and you know they say oh you know i discover girls or whatever and i don't know i discover girls too but i didn't think that they were mutually exclusive to reading comic books <laughs> i mean my parents certainly had no problem uh they remember comics fondly from from their childhood um my mom's always liked science fiction and those kinds of movies and stuff. Uh, and I guess they saw that I enjoyed it. They saw I was reading. So they thought, I guess they thought that was good. He's reading something. Um, and it led to, you know, reading other things too, to where I'm going to the bookstore. I have a child that's 13 and wants to go to the bookstore to pick out books to read. Those are things parents, you know, dream about. Like, <laughs> You want your kid to be able to read and do those things. So, and you know, as long as I was doing well in school and, you know, and it's not like I wasn't athletic also. I played football and did track in high school. So it's not like, and I swam, I swam for 12 years from the time I was seven years old all the way through high school. So it's not like I was, you know, sitting at home and only reading. I played sports, you know, played baseball as a little kid also. So there's, I've, I've been, I've had my hand in a lot of things over, over time. And I, I still love swimming. If, if I had access to a pool, I'd swim more often with, uh, you know, for working out that kind of thing. It's the best part of the Olympics. We just had the Olympics a few weeks ago. I still enjoy watching the swimming. I still remember, you know, that excitement and I still, I still enjoy that. That's still something I would enjoy doing. You know, there are a lot of people that are, are really great at one thing. And they do that thing. I feel like I've been pretty good at a lot of different things. And uh, the, because of the, I guess the way my brain works, it, it focuses on one thing. And so I focus on that a lot. But then 
I'll find something else. Oh, and I'll focus on that a lot. And then I find myself being pretty good at a lot of different things and really enjoying different things. And I can't just say, well, all I do is this, this is what I do. And then I go home and watch TV. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I do lots of different things. I have lots of different interests. So I think of, uh, uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, who is a, a modern polymath. He's an airplane pilot. He's a published author. He's a musician. And he was also an internationally ranked fencer, uh, when he was younger. And that was, and that was all while he was in Iron Maiden too. That's not like that was before he was in Iron Maiden. That was like in the peak of the Iron Maiden days. He also happened to be an internationally ranked fencer. So like top 10, top five in the world in fencing. So it's not like he uh, was just doing it on the side. You know, he, he was, he was good. And so I, 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 I'm not certainly the level of, any of the of his areas but he is in any of his areas but it's the same sort of mindset of having uh multiple interests and wanting to be good at different things and being pretty darn good at some of them and they all sort of drive a passion so you kind of keep doing them and you kind of keep them all up and you know i don't know i just that's that's kind of the way that that goes so it's it's not just comics you know i'm nerdy and geeky with it. it's the music and the and the dna and the ancestry stuff and you know you know i, I guess there's a collect them all kind of mentality to it also because it wasn't you know i can't just read the first three john carter books i've got to have all of them and read them all and i went through them so quickly i stopped and didn't read any for three years because I wanted to read the last one, the last day of uh, the last week of high school. So I started when it, I guess my his eighth grade, I guess. So within like eighth and ninth grade, I read the first ten, and then there was one more book, and I was like, well, I can't read, I can't end it right now. It was such a a big uh, you know uh, uh, source of enjoyment for me that I couldn't, I didn't want it to end right then. So I waited till the last uh the last week of high school to read it i think i read it like two afternoons after school i came home and laid down and read it and I'm like well that was satisfying <laughs> and then you know i that, that collect them all fits really well with uh with comics it gets expensive but it, it fits well it fits right in there with comics um and you know i i haven't done really anything with it for a while but i have a a uh, fairly large toy collection also that, uh, you know, Max, uh, Max collects new toys. He gets new stuff, but my interest is, is nearly it's 99%, you know, old stuff. So it's stuff that I still have from when I was a kid and stuff that I didn't get that I didn't collect all of when I was a kid to follow that line of thinking. So those are, and that's something I haven't, that's, that gets to be a little more expensive because, you know, getting that stuff on eBay and stuff, you don't need, I don't need to drop, you know, 60 bucks for a GI Joe. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying I haven't, I'm just saying I don't need to. So, you know, and there's only so much enjoyment you can get out of that anymore. 
um, with books, you read them. It's a continuing story. Comics, it's a continuing story. You're continually reading. You know, it's going on and on, and it's you can go back and reread that thing multiple times. But I'm not going to pull, you know, the toys out that often. When the kids, were, when the girls were really young, we would play with them. Even you know, some people collectors. Oh, you can't play with them. Well, guess what? We're we're going to play with them. Um, and so we would still play with them and stuff and have fun. So I guess that that's one of the things I, that's waned for me. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup. A Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not fuck that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. Or fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on The Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. 
It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. I definitely know that as I look back and uh, try to analyze what I like most about, not just what I like most about books and stories now, but I think about what were my favorite things in the past. Um, It all comes down to character, I guess, and people. And not so much like you were meeting people, but you were seeing like the relationships between people. And I always wanted people to to get along and, you know, have a, a positive interaction in a relationship. And I enjoyed seeing people do good things, uh, help seeing other people, helping people, you know, always made me feel good. Um, they say that even if you don't help somebody, but you just think about somebody helping somebody, you'll actually feel better. Um, so, you know, reading these stories of these classic heroic stories of, uh, uh, you know, superheroes or science fiction and fantasy characters, um, you know, trying to overcome injustice, uh, overcome wrongs, not so much revenge, like a revenge story, but more of a, I guess, a closure story. Um those kind of things, because I, I see that in my, you know, why did I like, uh, you know, the John Carter books? You know, the same author that wrote Tarzan, and uh, the first book actually came out the year before uh, the first Tarzan story. Uh, but, you know, here's a guy that's on another planet in a total, you know, a totally alien environment, and, you know, it's it ends up being about, he the first people he meets are vicious and hard but he's uh he managed to make a friend with somebody and their their race is actually ends up being is mortal enemies of a different race who look more her who are humanoid and he falls in love with one of those girls and he ends up you know bringing the the peoples on mars together and so it's all about in the long run and the grand scheme of the all 11 books it's about 
saving lives, bringing the other people together and getting them to work together for the benefit of the entire planet, you know, and there's just sort of a universal theme there. I think that I, I like seeing, I like seeing people work together and help others and, and create and build as opposed to destroy and, you know, that kind of thing. I can't relate that to horror movies, but that's just more of this whole aspect of the supernatural and the, uh, and that sort of thing that there's the idea that there's something more than just this. There's another layer of, uh, existence, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, a traditional, you know, Christian view of heaven, whether it's, uh, you know, the idea of people coming back from the dead and a vampire story and having a life beyond, even though it's an undead life. Uh, Frankenstein is one of my favorite books. It's the idea of bringing, uh, of the, you know, raising the, asking the bigger questions of what is life? What is a soul? What, what constitutes, you know, humanity, those kind of questions. I don't know. It's they're big questions, but I guess for, in my brain they all have connections, and those are things that are interesting to me. So, I uh, I think I think the comic books uh, have that sort of overarching idea that you know people are doing these things for a greater good because there's there is the idea of the greater good that you can use what you have to help others. And that's part of being a good person. It's not, you know, being selfish and, uh, you know, petty. It's about saying, well, I have this, I can help you this way. And in the long run, that's kind of what the superhero aspects of comics are. And other, certainly uh, many other genres of comics that are, that are great. And those all sort of deal with, uh, and I, I can't say all, um, I think, what I've gravitated to most in those are the, the real life uh, emotions and relationships that you see in those kinds of stories. And you get that in superhero stories also, but um, you know, a classic adventure like Terry and the pirates or something, or even like, you know, uh, a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of story, you know, there's that, those, that movie doesn't rely so much on, the the relationships it does some but at the same time it's got this interesting uh you know idea with uh you know the supernatural and uh god and the ark of the covenant and the power there so this the whole there's something greater than us also there something bigger than just you know putting relics in a museum this is this is a whole lot bigger than that you know but it's sort of all fits in that but it's the i know i i think i've always gravitated towards sort of more low-tech kind of stuff um when it comes to certain types of certain certain stories you know there's science fiction elements and some stuff but at the same time there you know john carter he's on another planet but he doesn't get there with a rocket ship you know he's on another planet but he's still uh his main weapon is a sword <laughs> it's not a it's not a ray gun they have ray guns but he's a, but it's mostly a sword fighting kind of thing you know uh you know society so I, I don't know i think there's something about the the physical of those kind of things that draws back to my own 
days of being, you know, athletic when I was young that are still there, but just not as, you know, physical prowess is always something that is uh, valued and by certain people on certain levels for different reasons and in different, in different ways. Um, but it sort of combines a lot of different things when you look at it like that. Superheroes are the same way. I mean, there's a lot of physical prowess <laughs> displayed in your general superhero comics, which is, I guess, kind of funny in a way in that, you know, you know, traditional nerds and geeks are, you know, not uh, well endowed physically for athletics and those kind of things. Yet we're reading these comics that, uh, you know, exaggerate them to, you know, the nth degree sometimes, you know. So it's kind of funny where we, you know, they're not supposed to have care about this stuff, but oh my gosh. They sure do love the. Uh, <laughs> they sure do love it, don't they? <laughs> the way you look at things is very sort of almost looking at the mechanics of it. Whether it's looking about the mechanics of the human emotion or the the ideas, the the worlds that we create for ourselves, or even just like the sports, you know, the mechanics of the sports, or tying it into the music. Music's very much. If you get really deep into the music theory, that's very much about the mechanics of how things work on the brain. Yeah. And that's something else that I, I wonder about uh, because when you're, you're saying that I immediately thought of the music, you know, I'm, I, a lot of the stuff I listen to, it, you know, it, it lends itself to that kind of analysis. So, so what time signature is this in? Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a time. I, I ask people, what's your favorite time signature? What? You know, and because of course I, I already know what mine is. Um, for those wondering, it's seven eight followed right behind it's five four, but uh, but you know a lot of the music you listen to has that in it. So I, I I've started to wonder in recent years what is it about that when I hear something in seven eight or five four that my brain just kind of automatically knows, hey that's that's special. What's what is that? Why is that? And why do I like that? why do I like that? What about my brain likes that? But what about, you know, uh, you know, the guy over here that's listening to rap and hip hop does not like that. Or the one listening to country or whatever the, the genre or whatever the music they're listening to is. Uh, why does that appeal to me? What about my brain makes me like that, but not, but it does, but the other brains don't like it. I wonder about, I wonder why. So I know that's a huge, that's certainly not a question we're going to answer here today, but I do think about it because, because that, that, that bit with the motion, the time changes and all that stuff, it just, that gets my brain excited and going and, you know, I get, you know, oh, why is that? You know, but I'm sensitive. I guess I'm sensitive to it. Maybe that's the thing. I'm sensitive to it. So. I like it. My younger daughter is uh, is sensitive to it also. I taught her how to count uh, time signatures when she was like nine or ten years old, because I I would play stuff and we'd listen to stuff and uh, she'd be able to. She figured it out at a very young age to the point that 
you know, at 18, I don't, th- I wasn't counting the, that. I didn't grow up musically. I grew up listening to music and stuff I liked, but I didn't grow up learning instruments. I didn't learn anything to play anything until I was 18. Um, so I came to that later, but I came with it with a, a very fervent passion to where um, it became, you know, right alongside comics it became my thing and and not just listening to music and stuff but you know playing music learning instruments being able to play the guitar being able to play the bass being able to play the drums being able to play some piano those kind of things uh that's uh that just jumped right up next to comics as a passion and so i i just i i just wonder how that why what about that what about liking those kinds of things you know it's different in my brain than, than other brains because obviously you know you can play four different songs for a group of people and your people are going to like some they're not going to like others and for reasons but i just wonder why that is i find that interesting talking about the mechanics of things that that's that's why i was talking about that because the mechanics of how things work and how human relationships work and you know how life works i think the comics i think i've always had a uh, a thing for old stuff this old stuff period like when i read like when i you know do a show about you know uh, do one of the shows about some classic comic um or i i I haven't, I haven't got a new old comic in a long time, but if, if I were to get, you know, a new old comic, my, what's being fed is the same thing that's being fed when I, uh, watch a show about archaeology or, uh, read something about, uh, uh, archaeological discovery. Um, it's that history thing. It's that going back. I, I like, I, I like history too. Um, and it's not just – and it doesn't always have to be ancient history. I just like – I guess understanding why. Maybe back to the mechanics. It's the understanding why. Why is something this way? Why did this happen? How did this happen? Um, you know, I've got a little uh, niche interest area in, in World War II as well. And that's always been fed by old comics because the comics came about really in that same 30s and 40s period of World War II. And you can't pick up a comic from the 40s and not have the uh, have World War II uh, touching it in some way, even if it's just the cover of uh, the character fighting Germans or, or Japanese. Uh, but, you know, that eventually led to, you know, liking other aspects of that era, uh, and being interested in the history of that era and even the uh i don't know why but i like the fashions of that area era not that i'm gonna you know go out and wear a a double-breasted suit and a hat every day in 95 degree weather but i like the way it looks (laughs) you know what i mean um i like the way it looks uh and uh so that led me to the reading a lot of books on war too and having a a bit on uh uh a bit of a passion for that as well. I think the uh, uh, the code breakers at Bletchley Park were one of the areas I read about in a uh, a huge book. Uh, and when I was talking to my father-in-law about it, he's a, a thirty year plus uh, Marine, 
and he was like, and he likes history too, and lots of uh, avid reader uh, for all kinds of military history and stuff. And so he got me a book on Fleshley Park that I read, and it was like, I was fascinated with that. I was just so uh, amazed by not only what they did, but how they did it, and how uh, how careful they had to be about what they what decisions they made so that they didn't give away that they'd broken the code. Because if you did too much, you would have no, it would have been, oh, they broke the code and they changed it. You know what I mean? But they figured it out and they figured out how they were changing it every day to where they could read everything. And I just found that was astounding. Once again, sort of the mechanics and the minutia of something, you know, and how it affected, you know, everything else during, uh, during the war. There was that uh, uh, show, also showed the Bletchley Circle, the ladies that had all worked for the in the cryptography's office, and then now they're out of you know the war's over. They're back to normal life, but they end up in a a mystery. It's a little bit contrived, but you know it's it's still enjoyable in that you know you get to see how they how they're how some of the their minds work as far as figuring out things and how they would use that to figure out this bit or this bit uh, to solve the mystery and stuff. So not, not as, you know, in depth and historical, more of a, a little bit lighter fare along the lines of so many of the different uh, British murder shows we get over here, <laughs> but we're, we're a sucker for those too. I say that because my wife and I, watch a ton of those. All I know is I don't ever want to live in Oxford. There's more murders per capita there than anywhere else. When you put, <laughs> when you put the Inspector Moore show with uh, uh, Midsummer Murders, it's like everybody's <laughs> – the body count must be horrible. <laughs> the, the other thing is uh, is don't ever go to a party with Miss Marple because somebody's going to die and you don't want to be that person. <laughs> How many of those are – are those stories uh, involve her at a party where somebody dies? <laughs> oh, yeah, Miss Marple, the world's greatest serial killer. <laughs> That's it. She never See, got caught. There's the story that needs to be written. Is yeah. you thought you thought that 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 sweet old lady was the detective and the and soft note she was the killer. She just was so smart she was able to pin it on somebody else. That's actually a nerdy thing that my wife and I enjoy together. We're waiting for uh, the next season of Endeavor, which should be soon, I hope. It's been about a year since the last one uh, came out, and they just replayed it, and they have a tendency to replay the previous two or three seasons just before the new one launches. So a couple weeks ago, last season was on, and we were watching some of those, so we're waiting. We We go back to those and watch those a lot. I would highly recommend Endeavor, especially starting at the beginning to see the whole development of the character. I, I still find it interesting to think that Sean Evans is going to end up being uh, uh, John Thaw somehow. That's going to happen, but <laughs> but it's but it, it's it's just really great the way they. Uh, I know I talked about character earlier. To me, it's about the relationships and the, how the mechanics of the. Uh, uh, relationships work and uh, I mean and there, there are some moments that are truly you know heartwarming make you feel good and others you just feel sad and like oh he just can't get over his own uh, 
his own foibles. It's, sometimes he's his own worst enemy, you know, when it comes to relationships and stuff. But it's 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 one of those things that you know, I, I can't stop watching that watching. I can't stop watching now because it's I got to see how they're going to finish this thing up. I think like so many things, it's not for everybody. Just like the music I like, even though I love it, I know it's not for everybody. Everybody is not going to be sensitive to, you know, that style, those, that style of music. And that's not to say I only listen to one particular style of music. There's a lot of music I listen to, but broadly speaking, the stuff I listen to is not stuff that is wildly popular amongst the masses. Sure, it has a big following, but, you know, you know, it look, took years and years and years for the band Rush to get their big-time recognition that they should have had for years, you know. Um, but I, I almost think it's like, uh, like if you look at the... Uh, the, the Marvel movies, the way they've done uh, in the box office, it's it's really kind of surprising because for years and years and years, um, there were all of us comic fans over here wishing they would make good comic book movies. And you'd get a Superman, but then you'd also get a Superman 3. You know, you'd get, you know, Batman 89, but you also got Batman and Robin. Um and it took a while before there was a level of quality uh, to where I, I'm still dubious of a lot of comic book films. I, I'm not able to just go, oh, it's a comic book film. I love it because it's just be lying. I'm, I'm, I'm way too, uh, I don't know, maybe analytical, maybe interested in that minutia of the, of the details that doesn't let me – uh, enjoy everything just because it is. Uh, but I would say, you know what, if you like all these movies that are popular, Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars is, Star Wars is bigger now than it's ever been. And, you know, I'm, I'm that generation. I saw the first one at seven years old in the theater when it first came out, you know? So it was huge as a kid, but it's not, it's nothing like it is now. I mean, it's massive. Uh, if you like these things just on a general level to go to movies, I would say there's a chance you might like them if you were to take a dive in and, and buy a graphic novel. Um, read one of the, you know, read a, a science fiction novel maybe that's not in the particular genre you're used to. to maybe you'd like, you know, Jane Eyre. I'm sure there's a science fiction novel that's going to have something close similar to what you like just with different types of uh, uh you know setting and stuff I, I i it's like my my wife and i do have things in common but then like I, I can't get her to watch a comic book film she does not have any interest in that she just it doesn't speak to her the the you know the the nomenclature doesn't speak to her but she loves the harry potter books and movies and I, and I go, how, how can that not be, how can you not like that? How can you like that, but not like some of the, some of these things? I, I, I don't see how those don't mesh better, but clearly there's something, you know, there. I, I think it's one of those things that, 
everything's not for everybody, but there's a chance you could like it if you give it a shot. I don't think there's uh yeah, and I think everybody finds different things in uh in in that in those genres. Uh even with the, with the films, you know, to me, if you're not going to get the character right for the movie, I'm probably not going to go to the movie because you've lost me already. I'm not there for the action. I'm not there for the big uh, set design or set pieces or uh, or that sort of thing. Sometimes I'm there for the world building, depending on what it is. But really, I'm there for the characters and the relationships and seeing things that are familiar brought to life. So if I don't recognize it, you're, you're losing me. Uh, and it can be lost uh, with a visual representation. It can be lost with a, how a character is portrayed. Um, you know, you're going to lose me with too much uh, graphic violence and uh, too much bad language. Just those kind of things, they don't appeal to me. But they, they fit with a lot of stuff that people like in the genre, you know, of, of the geek nerd superhero horror genres you know all those things that got a lot you know i'm i just not they don't they don't click for me even though it's a comic book it still had you're putting these there's these other aspects of it that don't that don't click with me and i don't read those tend to read those comics either you know sometimes i'll find something that'll surprise me that i'll end up liking that after all but for the most part if you've got some of those things there, it's, it's those things that can turn me off, I guess, just like, uh, well, I was okay with the witches cause it fits within the whole world of Harry Potter. But once you gave the guy the super soldier serum and a metallic shield, that just seems stupid, you know? And I'm like, how can you not like, how can you not? I mean, once it, but it, you know, there's just so many different aspects of, uh, of what people like that it's, uh, it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on it kind of goes back to the thing of why does this music appeal to me but not this other person why does harry potter appeal to some people but then those same people find you know the marvel movies to be stupid or whatever or or unbelievable it's unbelievable you you you, you can't believe superman I'm, can come from another planet and be superman but you can believe that there's a whole you know race of you know warlocks and witches that are living uh in the alleys and the alternate you know <laughs> train stations of london you can believe that but <laughs> you know i don't know I, it just you, you say it all out loud and none of it sounds plausible but uh it, it's it's this is how it is and I, I guess my interest is almost more in why do people like what they like sometimes when I start to think about that, because I, I mean, I can tell you, Oh, you should read this. And I think you're probably going to like it because you know, you're on the superheroes, the dummy show and you have an interest in that sort of uh, uh, thing. But I, I, there are some people I know I, I can't tell. Yeah. You should really read the new Nightwing comic. It's so good. The characters are just real and it's so endearing how, you know, Dick and Babs are maybe going to get back together. And it's like, it sounds like I'm describing a, uh, you know, a Harlequin romance at the same time, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, there are different aspects that, that appeal. And it just has the right sort of combination to, to match up with what 
how you're wired, I guess. And there, and there's enough people that like, I used to say things that sort of have like a lowest common denominator thing aspect to them that they appeal to the most broadest audience. Um, but I think as you've talked, you know, I think maybe there's just little bits and pieces sort of like, a like how your DNA is put together and the, the, you know, the four different proteins, you know, how do those go together that match up just right with what, with what aspects of things you'd like that, well, you'll like this, but you won't like this, even though they're so close. I mean, it's got the, it's got this, it's got the amine, the thymine, but not the cytosine and the guanine. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it's so close, but yet it can be, yet it repels instead of, you know, I don't know. Big thoughts. <laughs> I, I I thought of this originally when I when when you asked it to be on. I saw the questions and stuff. Was uh, I, one thing I found interesting over the years is the shift, uh, especially with comic books. Since I, I, I'm guessing that, that for me that the main thrust of the you know my being here comes from my comic book interests and such. Um, over the years, how the uh, the perception has changed from uh, you know people how people viewed comics and as the comic book movies have gotten better and become more and more uh uh popular that it changes people's opinions of of geeks nerds to where now you're the person they come to oh i saw this this coming out hey what what's this going to be like how do you like this you know they're asking you for your expert opinion ahead of time to find out what you can tell them about the movie or TV show they saw that they know is based on a comic and getting ready to come out. Uh, I remember that happened with uh, Winter Soldier at work. Somebody came to me and was like, oh, and I was like, oh my gosh. I said, if they do that right, holy cow, you don't know what's going to happen. And of course, I'm thinking the whole bit with uh, the comics where I was all tied up in the whole Civil War bit with uh, Captain America dying. I thought that I, I thought originally they were going to take that movie uh, and actually have Cap get killed at the end of Civil War and have have Bucky get the shield and everything. And they kind of did, but I thought they were going to have him more killed off as opposed to uh, you know retire off uh, the way he did at the end of Endgame. Uh, certainly didn't have the same uh, impact. But anyways, people people now you know. They want to sit next to you in the theater so they can ask, is that like the comic books? Yeah, yeah. Or or, or they'll go, is that like the comic books? You go, no, that's nothing like the comic books. I don't, I don't know what's going on. This is this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so they, they look to you for that 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 expert opinion. And that's something that they wouldn't have people wouldn't have cared about, you know, when I was in high school. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have cared. You know, you know, they might have gone and seen Batman. 89 when it came out but they weren't as geeked about it as all of us were you know we've been waiting for that movie for years and finally they made a batman movie and i mean people went and saw it and it did great but they did it out of the uh that sort of general awareness of the character as opposed to the oh my gosh they made a batman movie yeah you know a serious batman movie it's not just the batman the tv show with adam west it's you know and you know, so that's at one point. That's when you were trying to explain to people uh, 
no, 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 no. He wasn't always silly and goofy. That's not how the character started. That was something that came later. You know, he's not supposed to be silly and goofy. Um, and he was like, really? I always thought, you know, wow. You know, they just can't, they had a hard time believing that they were, uh, it was supposed to be a serious character. It always just, they, their whole perception had been colored so much by, by that and how they remembered comics. Because there were comics in the 60s and 50s and stuff that were really silly like that but that's what they remembered you know they didn't have that whole other other view even when i was in my early uh early 20s it was it was different sure there were some movies that were coming out but not like not like today where it's it's huge and everybody likes those movies for the most part or at least if they don't like the actual movies they like them enough to try them even if the movies end up being bad <laughs> you can hear more from Matt on Classic Comics with Matt B. Lloyd Available on the Comics in Motion podcast feed. Matt has also contributed to a book, Politics in Gotham, available on Amazon. And another book coming February 2022 about the Black Panther. You can read Matt's reviews on dccomicsnews.com. And you can contact him on Twitter at MattB underscore Lloyd. Geek is a super dummy production for Fantastic Universes. Find out more at fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek. You can contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasticuniverses.